Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks. Sitting next to me in all three dimensions, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. I'd like to point out it's actually four dimensions. The dimension of time is also in play. Oh, I was just thinking, you know, height was just not in there. Oh, oh, oh burn. <laughs> not like I'm taller than you. I was about to say, I think I'm actually a little taller than you are, Paulette. So, uh, I don't deny that. Uh, moving right into our topic today, we, we touched on this on a, a recent podcast when we talked to, about CES, and then we realized that, you know, 3D technology, it's something that has been around for, for Many decades, actually. Uh, but it's starting to come back now. It's like, it seems weird. It's like every, like the 1950s, it, it got really big for a little while and then it kind of died away. And then in the 1980s, it got big for a little while and then it kind of died away. And this looks like it's another one of those, uh, those moments, sort of like the yo-yo, where it just comes back in vogue. And uh, who knows, maybe this time it's here to stay. Well, um, yeah, we ha- we have an article on the site, uh, how 3D glasses work, that mm-hmm. uh, was written by our site founder, Marshall Brain. Yes. And uh, it's it's really fascinating. The um, According to the article, The Power of Love was the first movie to be done in 3D, and that was 1922. It's a curious thing. So we're... <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're coming up on a century of 3D... You know, video technology, which is, uh, you kind of think about it. I, I always thought of it as a fifties and sixties thing, but it's, yeah, it's been around for quite some time. And you sit there and you think about that, like, okay, so if it's almost a century old, why is it still relatively rare? Um, and it's a pain in the neck to actually make it work. Right. And a pain (laughs) on the eyes as well, as it turns out. Yeah. That's one of the problems is that, uh, it's, there's no, for the longest time, there was no real easy way of doing this that didn't result in, after, you know, maybe watching something for about 40 minutes, feeling like your eyeballs were on fire. Um, it's a little better now, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. First, we should kind of talk about why we're able to perceive or why 3D is important and how we're able to perceive it. Uh, it all goes down to, comes down to binocular vision. You know, I, I, I have a pair of binoculars and it doesn't look like I'm looking in 3D. Right. That doesn't, it's not what it means. Oh. Um, so, we're talking about using both eyes to see objects and then perceive depth using uh, both of your eyes. There's this um, – well, it's, it's what's well, called parallax. It's where you're looking at objects and because your eyes are not located in the exact same spot on your head – Go figure. Um, you can actually, your brain uses the difference in the angles uh, that you're perceiving to create the perception of depth. So if you were to close one eye or if you were to lose an eye, uh, you would not be able to perceive depth the same way someone with two eyes can. You could still do it. Um, you mainly pick it up from visual cues at that point. And your your perception's not as accurate. Uh, most humans have pretty accurate depth perception to at least up to you know twenty feet or so. But if you only had one eye, then you would you know some things that you might think, oh well, that's closer to me than that other object over there. You might be surprised to find out, oops, I was wrong because you didn't have the the second eye to you know to verify the information. So. 3D movies, 3D images, uh, they have to be able to create this sense of, of parallax in order for you to, to perceive them as, you know, three dimensional as opposed to two dimensional to give you that illusion of depth. 
You know, like a Viewmaster, for example. Exactly. Takes advantage of that because yeah. it shows you slightly different versions of the same image. Right. Which create the illusion of depth. And that's how those red and blue 3D glasses work. Right. It's right. Uh, called uh, anaglyph mm-hmm. images. Um, which uses red in a different color. Right. It's usually blue, but it could be green or yeah. something else. Yeah. It's usually, it's usually red and blue. Those are the classic 3D glasses that a lot of us think about when we, when we hear the 3D glasses thing. Um, so you, you have an image that you're showing, uh, on a screen and it's got, say, kind of like a reddish overlay on top of it. And then you have the identical image superimposed or, or, or shown you know, just slightly off to the side. It looks a little weird if you're not wearing the glasses, uh, which is usually in, in a blue or perhaps green overlay. And then you have glasses with corresponding uh, lenses. Now, the red lens happens to block the red light. It absorbs it straight through. You don't see it. You just see the blue. And the blue, it it lets through the red light. And uh, your your eyes see these two images separately, and your brain puts the information together to create the 3D image. So your brain is doing all the work, really. Uh, and once they figured out, hey, if we just put these two images uh, side by side, really close together and do different colors and have each eye perceive a different color, then we can create the illusion of depth. Uh, then that's that's when the 3D movie craze really took off. Yeah, that's um, that's why if you take off the 3D glasses and look at the movie, one of the classic anaglyph-style 3D uh, movies, you'll notice that there's a red version of the image and there's a blue version of the image, and it looks like it's out of register. Like uh, if you've seen uh, a color picture where the printing was just off and everything seemed to be shifted in one direction and it's just the red or just the yellow. Um, that means that the printers didn't line up the colors. It sort of looks like that because right. one of them will be just a little to the left and one will be just a little to the right. And you're going, what's up with this? Well, because they're slightly different, it allows your brain to make up that there's a 3D version of that. But that's not how the newer version of 3D works. The newer version uses polarized lenses. That's right. Now, that's... That's interesting because polarized lenses is all about the angle of the light waves, right? True. But it, it achieves the same effect because um, the images are slightly different in direction. And by shifting the polarity and using the polarized glasses, it uh, it, it also fools your eyes and you don't have to have a red and blue version of the, the image on there. Right. They look more like, you know, kind of dorky sunglasses um, in general. I guess you could really, if you wanted to, make a very stylish pair. But every pair I've ever seen looks kind of geeky. Well, if you're um, going to go watch Captain EO, it doesn't really matter anyway because, you know, the glasses sort of went with the movie anyhow. Mm-hmm. Don't be talking smack about my Michael Jackson. Um, so, yeah, so these polarized lenses, in the same sense that the red and blue only allow the blue and red, respectively, uh, those light waves through, the polarized lenses are kind of the same way. They're aligned so that the light, uh, the, the angles of the light waves uh, will only go through one side or the other. And usually you have two projectors uh, projecting at the same time. They're projecting, each one's projecting a different of what's well, projecting the same image at the same time, but a, uh, in a different angle of light waves. So you're getting both sets of images at the same time, but only one eye receives each image. And then your brain does the work again. So it's 
based on a very similar principle as the red and blue. Now, I've heard that people tend to experience less eye strain using this method than they did when they used the red and blue. Um, have you ever seen a, a 3D movie, like a, a full 3D movie with the red and blue glasses? Like a full-length feature film yes. in 3D? Yes. No, I haven't ever watched anything that long. Okay. I think the longest thing I have seen in 3D is Captain EO, now that you mention it. Okay, well, I have. Um, as And this is one of my childhood memories, so sit back and grab a Coke. All right, then. Uh, I went to see Jaws in 3D. The no, you didn't. Jaws 3 in 3D oh. in the theater with my dad. Uh Hi, Dad. And Dad and I, um, <laughs> we sat there and watched this movie. And by the end of it, we each had splitting headaches. And uh, uh, also, by the way, just so you know, terrible movie. Uh, the only 3D effect that was really effective was when someone held a, a syringe out toward the screen in the way that absolutely no one does and then pushed the plunger. Um, that was actually pretty effective. The shark stuff, not so much. At any rate. But the terror didn't stop at the edge of the screen. <laughs> oh my gosh, you knew the tagline. Yes, I did. So, um, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, it was, it was, it definitely did cause eye strain. Now I've worn the polarized glasses, uh, for short demonstrations, but nothing for really any length of time. So I'm kind of curious to see if, if it really, if it lives up to the hype. Um, and of course, there's one other kind of 3D glasses we can talk about, the active glasses. Oh, yes. Those are the ones that you actually saw at CES. Yeah, I saw a couple different uh, instances of active glasses. Now, with these other versions we're talking about, you usually, like I said, have two projectors projecting the images at the same time. Um, it's really, the you know, that's the best way to show these images. Now, with active glasses, you can have one projector showing or one screen, whatever, showing these images um, all together. But the difference is, in this case, rather than the glasses just being a piece of paper or plastic with the lenses in front of your face, the glasses are doing all the work instead of the projectors. Right. The glasses have a shutter where they turn on and off a, a polarization effect, and they do it at such a fast speed that you would never be able to to see it. You can't you know, consciously notice that they're shuttering on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned that the NVIDIA ones I saw uh, shuttered at a 60 hertz refresh rate for each eye. Mm-hmm. So the screen, what it's doing is it's alternating the image at the same rate that your glasses are shuttering on and off. And you're getting these two different images uh, at at a rate of speed that's so fast that your brain essentially thinks it's the same. It's happening at the same time. You right. Know? From your perception, it's all happening at the same time, even though in reality it's switching back and forth at this incredible rate of speed. So the effect, again, is that your brain puts it together and says, hey, there's depth there. It's not just a flat surface. And the effect really is pretty interesting in that, you know, you look at the screen and it looks like you can actually see beyond just that flat surface. Right. Um, it's, it's, there's some effect of the, you know, oh, it's coming out toward me, but that's kind of minor in comparison to just this amazing depth of vision that you get in these screens. And um, you might wonder, like, well, okay, so we've got all this technology. Where's the big deal? Well, Hollywood is really kind of experimenting with this technology. Uh, recently, there have been, been quite a few movies that have come out with uh, that feature this 3D tech. And, uh, and not only just movies, but also sporting events and concerts that uh, – have uh, have shown up either in theaters or on television uh, that use 3D. Yeah, and um, 
part of that is made possible by the use of digital uh, video technology. Right. I mean, film really didn't give us the opportunity to use it as much as digital does. Right. So that just makes it, you know, easier and cheaper for the, the studios to do. Um, which is, you know, probably a good thing. And, um, actually is a good transition in the next part of what I was going to bring up. Although I think you may have answered my question. Um, uh, because there's so much 3D at CES. It was one of the big themes of this year's show. Um, I was going to ask you if you thought 3D was the next big living room phenomenon, but mm. from what I understand, most TVs that use 3D technology use the anaglyph method, use the red and blue right. glasses. Yeah. And if it's a big eye strain, then maybe it's yeah. not such, I mean, people are not going to sit there and watch TV for four hours a night and get splitting headaches. If you, if you wanted to use, uh, like the active glasses, you would need a special display or a special mm-hmm. television. Right. Um, something that's called 3D ready. And there are only a few sets, relatively few sets out there that are 3D ready, either as computer monitors or, t- uh, television sets, like the, like Mitsubishi Laser View. I keep bringing it up, but, right. uh, right. that's one of the ones that's 3D ready. Um, if you don't have the, a television that's capable of doing that, then you're kind of stuck. You've got a really expensive pair of glasses that don't really work very well and make you look like a big dork. So, um, hey, congrats. But, uh, <laughs> if you do have one of those sets, then you can take advantage of this technology. Now, of course, that means you also have to find content that was, um, optimized for that technology. It's not going to just work on anything. It's not like you could turn on any television like, oh, wait, yay, I get full house in 3D. Um, <laughs> That's, that might have been scarier than the Jaws. Yeah, it's just sad. That's what that is. But there, there, uh, there's a lot of 3D stuff that's just starting to, uh, to creep in. Like, for example, this year's Super Bowl. Right. Which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Sure. Um, <laughs> we say as we record a few days before that. But, uh, <laughs> um, from what I've, from what I understand, uh, Pepsi and, uh, and Universal both took out ads for the Super Bowl. Um, Pepsi for Sobe's Life Water and, uh, the movie Monsters and Aliens from Universal both had 3D ads. Yeah. And, uh, NBC was so excited about that they're even advertising the ads that they're yeah. coming up so you can actually get the glasses and watch the 3D ads in time. It's getting a little too meta for me. Yeah. <laughs> now the, the Monsters vs. Aliens, that's a movie that's coming out later in, uh, 2009. And, and that's it, actually in 3D. It will be in 3D. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a, uh, computer, uh, graphics, uh, animated film. And, uh, I saw clips of that when I was at CES. That was one of the, uh, demos they did with the 3D technology and it looks pretty good. Um, there are several other movies that are coming out, uh, either this year or in coming years uh, that are going to be using 3D. That includes, uh, James Cameron's Avatar, not to be confused with the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon show. cartoon show, yeah. which my wife loves. Hello, wife. Uh, there's, uh, it's, there's a rumored version of a Christmas carol that may be in 3D. It's going to use the same creepy, uh, technology as Polar Express. I bet um, it take, I bet it, uh, was a Dickens to make. I'm sure it was. Then, uh, there's, uh, there's How to Train Your Dragon, Crude Awakening, uh, Alice in Wonderland, which is, uh, Tim Burton's take on the classic tale. Wow. Um, Johnny Depp will be in that. I think he's the Mad Hatter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he should be if he's not. <laughs> uh, the next Shrek film is supposed to be in 3D, uh, Mastermind. Also, the one that we're, you and I will be waiting for with bated breath. Yes. The remastered 3D version of Star Wars. Oh. I saw clips of that while I was at CES and it was one of the two times I came 
close to crying. Uh, good tears or bad tears? Oh, just tears of joy. To see, to see, uh, the Corellian starship being chased by that star destroyer and it's looming at me right there. And then R2D2 is right in front of my face. Oh man. It Jonathan's awesome. gone bye bye. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, I'm back. I'm back. It, so that's okay. It'll, it'll be 20 more years before George Lucas decides on the final, final, final 3D version. Sure. And, you know, with the refinements in it. And, then, of course, we have the video games that could come out. Oh, that's true. Um, that NVIDIA is really pushing for. NVIDIA is the, the graphics processing uh, card manufacturer, and they have the GeForce glasses. Um, they have a whole list of video games that are already prepared to go to 3D. I mean, everything is there. You just have to have the, the right display, the graphics chip, and the glasses, and then you're ready to go. And uh, among the games that they say are optimized for this uh, include Age of Empires 3, Battlefield 2, Call of Duty 4, Civilization 4, for you Sid Meier fans out there. That would be me. Um, Burnout Paradise, for you race car driving fans out there. World of Warcraft. Um, if you're a World of Warcraft fan, you're not listening to this. You're playing World of Warcraft. Uh, Half-Life <laughs> 2, Left 4 Dead, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Seriously? Yeah, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Okay, you know, you may be laughing at that, but if you think about it, you know, that could be pretty cool. Pretty cool. Especially you since see, you get to ride the rides. Yeah, you get to ride the rides and you get to see your okay. your, your just, yeah. amusement park in 3D. Okay, that would be um, kind of cool. There's some pretty nifty things out there. So, yeah, it's it. I think they're pushing for it to be the next big thing. Now, here's the question. Are people going to adopt it? And specifically, are people going to be willing to spend money on it, especially in an economic downturn? Oh, well, I imagine that this is the kind of thing that would cost a lot of money, even not in an economic downturn. Yeah. the Because like, this is not, I mean, this is using brand new technology that is different from the technology you would see in a standard LCD display, right? Right. The glasses alone can cost you like 200 bucks. Yeah. So that's that's before you even get a graphics card or the display or television. So that makes uh, the 3D Super Bowl party kind of expensive. Yeah, I think the laser view was around seven grand. Yeah, that's about um, right. So yeah, that's a uh, that's an expensive toy. Yeah, so totally. it may be beyond our reach for a few more years. Time will tell. I mean, if enough early adopters do go out and buy this stuff, that will drive the price down, and then the rest of us can can. Enjoy stuff in 3D as well. And of course, you can still go to the movie theater and, and see a lot of these films in 3D. I mean, even movies that weren't made completely in 3D, you can sometimes see parts of it in 3D. True. So, Fair enough. You know, it's at least the film industry is really trying to, to push for it. I think that's partly in response to, um, piracy, actually, when you think about it, because if you can't recreate the experience at home, you have to go to the theater to get the experience. But when you can recreate the experience at home, then they're trumped again. Yeah, you just pirate the heck out of it. Not that you would, or I would, but you know, yeah. those nefarious people who are not our listeners because we're all well-behaved. We're, we're good ones in this in this podcast. Yeah. Well, that's a good discussion. Yeah. I, I do have one other thing to add. Oh, yes? That would be listener mail. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So, uh... So this listener mail comes from Mike Linderer from Grayling, Michigan. And uh, Mike wanted to give us a few more 
um, suggestions. When we did our Tech Toys episode talking about the sort of things that keep us sane at work, he had a few more to suggest. So I was just going to run through some of the ones that he, he listed. Uh, he listed Slacker, which is another internet radio style site. Uh, uh-huh. You can talk a little bit about that, right, Chris? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Slacker, um, Slacker is sort of like a cross between Last.fm and, uh, and Pandora. Yeah. Uh, because you do get to select your stations. Um, and the, when I say it's a cross, it's sort of tool wise, the things you get to do with the songs, um, as far as tagging them and things like that. Uh, you have some more control, uh, more so than you might in Pandora. Um, but you have more control over the station like you would in, in Last.fm. But sure. it's, it's one of very many. There are lots and lots of, uh, other stations out there, uh, like Django is another example. Um, and, uh, just various radio, radio one mama. Yep. I, you know. There are, there are lots and lots of music uh, sites out there, and each one of them is a little bit different. They offer something that you can't do with the others. Fine Tune is an example of that, because uh, you actually get to listen to a specific song. Yeah. Uh, but you can only put, you know, three... You create playlists, and you can only put three songs by a particular artist or three songs by on a particular album on your playlist. Yep. So there are still restrictions and things that might... You might listen to one for a couple hours and go, you know, this is driving me crazy, the restrictions on the site. And then you go into another and go, well, this is cool. Oh, but there are these different restrictions. So Right. It might be something. They're all great. It might end up turning into something like the whole Twitter pounce plurk battle, and you just see which one ends up surviving. True. True. Hopefully they all will. They all have something different that they bring to the party. Yep. And then some others that Mike mentions are, um, he mentions Line Rider, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of a game and kind of an art project thing. Have you ever seen this? Uh, I've seen it. I haven't used it myself. It's. Uh, I've tried to use it, but I'm a terrible, terrible artist, so I can't make the little guy ride his line for very long. He always ends up wiping out spectacularly and then falling for about you know 40, 45 minutes. So, um, uh, but it's it's for the people who are really talented. I mean, there's some amazing line rider courses that people have created that are really fun to watch. Uh, he also mentioned Homestyle Runner. <laughs> uh, this is actually kind of cool because we're talking about some uh, some neighbors of ours. In the way the brothers chaps, I mean, they they're here, they're Atlanta locals. Yep. And uh, actually, some of the people in the office know some of the uh, know the brothers chaps. Um, I do not. I've seen them perform live, but I don't know them. True. Uh, but yeah, that's a great great site. Very amusing. Uh, he mentioned Jib Jab as well. Also, a pretty funny site. Okay. Very famous in the uh, 2004 election. Exactly. Uh, mentioned the Darwin Awards, which can be entertaining. I do recommend that you cross reference the Darwin Awards with Snopes. Com because not every story on the Darwin Awards is actually true. And then the last one he mentioned was the Daily Onion, which we should oh, yeah. mention is not necessarily safe for work. True. But very funny. Extremely funny. So thanks, Mike. We really appreciate your email. And if you would like to write to us, you can write to us at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. We love hearing from you guys. If you want to learn more about 3D technology, we have plenty of stuff up on the website. That's at howstuffworks.com. And we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?